Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. You're listening to the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, featuring business experts, industry disruptors, game changers, and thought leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to build a successful business and become known as an influential voice in your industry? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show. This is episode 276, brought to you by Podcasting with Purpose, helping you to stand out, be heard, and become an influential voice in your industry with a podcast. And yes, I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen. Now, my guest today says, this is not a sales job. This is the industry that they're in. We are dealing with one of the most important decisions in a person's life. And joining me on today's show is Amir Bormand. Amir is the co-founder of Elevano, a California-based recruitment company who helps hundreds of people find more fulfilling jobs every year. Amir is unique to the recruiting industry because he's a former engineer himself and he could still jot out a few lines of code. We won't get you to do that on today's show because I'll just go straight over my head. He has seen the technical recruiting game from both sides, and during his engineering career, he constantly saw agency recruiters take shortcuts and use deceptive practices all for their own benefit. And that is why his current position as co-founder of Alavano, he encourages a candidate-centric approach to every aspect of technical recruiting and of course sales. And his overriding desire is to smash the negative stigma left by current recruitment strategies and replace it with more transparent, honest and empathetic service offerings. So on today's show, he's going to talk more about how they moved from a zero spend on job boards and PPC job boards. He's going to talk about how they've modeled personas out of target candidates to build relevant messaging content for their consumption, as well as how they're tearing down the old, they're testing and implementing to find a more optimal path and solution. Lots of lessons to learn um, from Amir today, particularly if you want to you know, challenge the status quo in your industry as well. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Amir. Thanks for having me on. I love the way that you you are, as we said in the introduction, disrupting your industry. But take us back. I've already kind of hinted to you had been involved yourself as a candidate and probably experienced, you know, things that you would not have necessarily wanted to as you were going through that recruiting process. And you've taken that now to disrupt uh, with honesty and transparency. I, I love that. But for people who are listening, who are also recognizing, you know what, in my industry, there are things that are not fair or I'd love to do them better. Take us back to the process that you went through to not only an idea, but actually roll it out. What was that for you? Yeah, so I think 
during the interview process when I was an engineer, I I was always making mental notes of what I didn't like about recruiters. And and most engineers or most people who interview, you know, you could be in accounting, finance, almost any industry, there's there's good and bad recruiters and you'll have good and bad experiences. And I think as an engineer, we have so many people, you know, chasing you, headhunting um, for your attention that you do come across a lot of people that weren't super great. And this is especially 20 years ago where there was less visibility into the process. Mm. And, and I think I just kept mental notes of what I didn't like. And, and, you know, I talk to people in the industry, even, you know, even today and, and nothing much has changed, but I think in terms of answering your question, what, what we started looking at, it really was reverse engineering the experience. So making all those mental notes of, exactly what the little uh, issues were and then kind of backtracking into mm -hmm. what should be the ideal experience that someone has uh, goes through especially with a third party you know recruiting agency yes that is at a loss at a lot of different components versus in-house uh, recruiters yes and of course with the industry that you are in and i think a lot of industries now we rely on technology so there are a lot of software and programming and things like that when you look at it from a position of, okay, these are the things that happened that we want to change. So you're reverse engineering. What are some of the, and I'm talking more from a visionary or kind of aspect too, and even chunking down, what are some of the components that you had to look at to go, okay, these are the things that we need to look at so that we can then move forward to roll it out. Well, just give, give people some idea. Yes. Yeah, so, so I'd say the, the biggest thing that we do that I'd, I'd argue I don't know how many agencies in the world would, would actually undertake. So we actually sat back, uh, this was about a year ago, and we said we believe in transparency, but yet we're falling short. How do we come to terms that we want to be as transparent as we can? And we started talking about how I really disliked in my engineering days of you know getting recruiter emails that said, our client is looking for, or on behalf of our client. And, and I'm like, what does that mean? I don't know who that is. Our client could be anybody. So we actually made a conscious decision um, probably around six to seven months ago where we said that's the last remaining piece that we've not played fair with our candidates. So we said, you know what? We are going to actually disclose all client information in the first message that goes out. Mm. And that's probably... Uh, if there's a recruiting owner or recruitment people out there listening, they would be like, that's a no-no. Yeah. I mean, you would get wow. fired if you did that. And if you work for a recruiting company, we said we are going to do it. And um, the the response has been amazing. And we haven't, I, I don't know if any candidates, you know, we've lost candidates or we have not. It doesn't matter because um, for us to be true to our own essence of, of what it is that we're trying to establish, we, we have to that next step to actually do that, which is, I think, that the thing that most recruited owners and you know, third-party agencies are afraid of doing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I don't know if it's on my end, but I noticed that where you were fading in and, in and out a little bit. So I don't know if that's the microphone. So as I'm um, segueing to the next question, you may just want to, to make sure that uh, everything is, is plugged in okay. So, okay, I love the way that you've said, okay, look at what is missing. How would you like to have been treated differently? And you started making notes. Uh, the fact that, of course, you are an engineer has really helped us as, as well to, to take action on onto that. If you take us from the time where you started to document, okay, these are the things that we would do, do differently, to the time that you started, obviously you, you co-founded Alavano. What was the time period between those two? Can you give us a bit of a scope on, on time? 
so, so when we actually our journey, so actual uh, BI in terms of reporting and, and delivery, it was at some point in that process where we transformed into recruiting company and it's kind of hard to pinpoint that exact time. But I think from that time, we had no understanding of recruitment. So it was very difficult for us to come in to want to make a lot of changes when we didn't understand how recruiting was done. The one thing we knew was we had no baggage or any history in terms of how it should be done. Mm -hmm. So we went forward and, and figured we're going to establish the process as we see fit. And it took us a few years to figure it out. Like we, we fell down, we got up and, and we had to iron those pieces out. So I'd say there, it took several years to actually, you know, become one with the industry and then to look back and go, well, these are the things we don't like. Where can we implement change? Because obviously the recruiting market's a multi-billion dollar industry and, and you can't make big change anyways. But we wanted to see in terms of what the company fit was and, and the, our mission what those pieces are. So I'd say it took a couple of years, honestly. It was not a fast, immediate decision. Yeah, I love that. So if you're, um, if you were speaking to someone who is also looking at uh, disrupting or make even the slightest change, I think can be such a difference because if you yourself has gone through the recruitment process and didn't like things, I'm sure there would be other people who were experiencing the same things. So for someone who's looking to change and make a change, be that difference, and didn't have experience in the industry per se, what words of advice, insight, hindsight is such a great teacher. So what sure. hindsight, what insights would you share for that person? These are really some of the things you need to look at so that when you do launch or you do start um, to, you know, tap into that market, you're far more prepared and far more educated. What, what insights can you share? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I'd, I'd say if you're getting into something in, in that circumstance, let's say it didn't have the engineering background to have that experience. I, I would have actually started with the end process. What, it, what outcome do I want to achieve? What is it that, that is stopping me from getting to that end outcome? How do I reverse engineer the process so that it fits what I want? Yes. And I think a lot of times there's a lot of processes that exist out there and we all just go with it because it's established and to actually reverse engineer and go, well, this is how I do it. Then, then it's a courage thing. Yeah, it really is. Am I willing to do something counterculture to what is already being done? Because we're all worried it might not resonate with the industry. People might not be happy with a different tack, but I'd say reverse engineer the expected outcome. I mean, that's how people build bridges. Yeah. Something that I have often heard from many of the guests on the show, and I'd love your uh, experience, insights into your experience. You said it took several years, and I'm sure with any business idea, you launch, um, you see what the market, uh, the feedback is, and it's using that market feedback. So the end consumers that drives tweaks, that drives changes. And I think so often as business owners, we do launch something didn't quite have the impact we think oh we failed but actually use that information as feedback to you know progress to change to tweak is that kind of what you did as well you you waited to market feedback got that information and then kind of changed from there what was that process for you we're, we're a big believer of asking our customers our candidates what we could be improving on and and also looking for the patterns i think the easiest thing to do is to note the patterns you're seeing in the marketplace and either your your service is really fitting with that pattern or or you see a gap with the pattern but i think if you're not you know getting the feedback you're not looking at the patterns it's really difficult to actually know where to start yeah yes i i, I think i think but part of the several years was 
A, understanding the industry. So I think you can get into an industry, have zero experience and ramp up on it. So we had to ramp up. And along the way, we were observing whether the actual experiences I had as an end user of recruitment services also was, you know, could we make those adjustments with, as owners and practitioners? So, you know, I think that, that couple of years of testing and, and understanding the marketplace, you got to ask, and our, even today, we will get on the phone with our candidates and ask them a survey question that we're curious about. Yes. A couple of months ago, it was, would you, would you use LinkedIn as an engagement platform with us directly or Instagram or Facebook? And, and we got some crazy responses and we were like, why are people chasing these candidates just via email all the time? They're, yeah. they're sick of it. So yeah. you don't ask, you, you won't have a clue where to start. Yeah, great. And of course, when you're thinking of the recruitment model or business model, you've got two or probably more key stakeholders. However, the main ones that I can think of, of course, are the, the candidates themselves and of course the businesses, the companies. And I'd imagine that for you and for many other businesses too, they may have a number of different parties. Each has its own requirements, um, expectations, and you want to come to a, a, a meeting place, if you will, where you're able to deliver and, and exceed expectations of, of both those parties. Was that a challenge for you? Yes, yeah, so it's, what's funny is with, with with clients on the recruitment side and, and you're going into talking to companies, our approach was so different in terms of what they were seeing that it, it was a little bit initially difficult to overcome the commodity status that we have. So I think we're trying to establish the fact that not every, every pencil is the same. You know, there is some differentiators and, and, and adding an extra, you know, agency to the mix isn't always a good thing, but isn't a bad thing and trying to explain to them and walk them through that on the candidate side. I think they literally were, are, were and are looking for a better solution. Yes. So we just said, let's show them door A. And, and for us, that will mean hopefully better engagement long-term by them seeing you know, a, better, a better opportunity versus going to the bigger traditional companies, you know, giving a small startup like us a shot. Yeah. And um, for those of you who, who may not know this, my background for many, many years was as, as a career um, practitioner in the career industry. So I, I know a little bit about uh, that whole industry. And of course, when a recruitment agency has got incredible candidates on their books, that makes them far more marketable, doesn't it, to employers, to, to companies. And so I think if you create an incredible experience and one that's unique in the marketplace for job seekers or potential job seekers, you know, who might be putting their, their fingers or their toes in, in the, 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 the running for potential opportunities, then you can go out, of course, um, to, uh, to, to potential other clients, customers. So let's talk about you've moved to zero spend on job boards and PPC job boards. That's insane. I mean, how many recruiters normally spend, I don't know how much money on advertising. So share a little bit about this. How did you manage to do that? <laughs> so, um, yeah, when we first talked about it, I mean, we were spending a decent amount of money on, uh, you know, Indeed, LinkedIn, Glassdoor, I mean, you name it, we were spending money and we started really looking at it from a ROI perspective as a marketing company were we getting multiple, you know, returns on that investment? And we weren't. So um, we actually then started looking at how do we attract the candidates to be the response rate and engagement to be driven up higher. So um, we, we really decided that it was the creative that makes a difference when you're reaching out to candidates. So we really spent a couple of months testing copy 
um, different versions of copy. We kept testing and, until we found a format that we thought resonated. And this was probably a couple of years ago. And then along the way, we were kind of afraid to shut off all our advertising spend. Um, but at some point, I think early last year, it might have been almost a year ago, we finally decided, uh, you know, the last little bit, we were going to shut off completely and just see how we run. And, and to our surprise, it didn't really impact anything. Our, our, our email messaging, LinkedIn messaging, everything kept going forward. And, and the response rates have just been steadily there to support us without any of that additional spend, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, one of the things that uh, um, I've heard a lot of, of guests say, and I mean, you know, as a personal brand strategist that helps, you know, people build their reputation, say, if you're looking for ideal clients, in your case, candidates, you have to really tweak the message to your speaking to them directly. Have you found through doing that, that you're attracting, you don't have to say who because this this may be part of you know what makes you really unique but have you found that there's a category of person that is attracted to that um, through the messaging or do you find you've captured a message that speaks across the board how, how's that happening you know what what's happening in in the messaging and the people that you're attracting so the answer is both so so you might have messaging that it that resonates across the board which, which we have. And then we also have messaging that's more narrowly focused. So some of the, the personas we create are the end users and what do they consume? So you can't target a specific type of engineer and, and let's say a creative person with the same exact message. Maybe, maybe the base message might be the same, um, but there'll be small nuances. Mm. And I think a lot of times when you're, when you're seeing all these emails go out is, you're not actually understanding the context of what that person's interested in, in seeing and hearing. Yes. Now we have the luxury of me being an engineer in my background to kind of knowing, all right, what I like this. But I think again, if you were to test the copy out, you would easily see the numbers bear out what people are responding to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's been the big driver for us to, to make change. Yeah. And of course that models, oh, that segues beautifully into um, what you wanted to talk about was, you know, how you've modeled personas of your target candidates. You've built this messaging and content. Uh, if you can recall, and one, the reason I'm asking this is so often we get impatient as business owners, you know, entrepreneurs. We create something, we launch it, and we expect it to work. But sometimes it can take the tweaking. And it's in that observation and monitoring of feedback that if you keep moving forward and tweaking steadily and all of a sudden it clicks how long did it take for you to get to that copy where you thought this is now working we're going to turn off our advertising can you remember kind of average time frame in that i i think we tested for a good i'd say 18 months yeah I, it took us a while it? like yeah, yeah it, it it was a lot of testing like it, the initial i remember actually the initial copy we we thought was really clever and great and uh slowly we realized not so clever not so great and and we decided to to work with the copywriter uh, they gave us a, another version of it we were like Okay, not still not testing great. So we, we we ripped it down and then we rebuilt it using so and again, like it wasn't 18, but again, it was steadily going, we need to keep track of what copy, keep yes. track of the metrics, keep track of response rates, open rates to know what's working. Otherwise, if we were just going, well, it kind of feels like it's working. Yeah, I'm just going to stick with it. So I think it, it did take diligent, you know, an 18 month, maybe even two years, honestly. Yeah. 
but the copy we have now, we have established metrics, we have established, you know, open and response rates where when now we test as a baseline for any other copy we put out, mm. we can quickly within two weeks go, do we put that copy up against this or do we not? First, right? You can't just have one email you send out to everyone. They're going to be mm. like, hey, man. Yeah, he sent this to me six months ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, it's interesting. I was watching someone um, yesterday talking about um, email responses and what they're doing in in their company. And as we know now, uh, I mean, our emails are just crammed full of 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 emails and, and messages. So when you're looking at testing, I mean, if you've got quite a substantial database, what this person was saying is, don't just send it out to your entire database. I mean, obviously you wouldn't because, you, as you said you've got engineers and creatives and so forth but when you're testing and you're going through that period of we're not really sure if this is going to land for everyone let's just test what percentage of your database like do you test it on 10 percent maybe 20 percent of your database to give you enough feedback to yep this is working or no we need to tweak it can you give share some insights in here? much smaller for us it's yeah we try to limit it to maybe 100 150 you know emails going out yeah. like we, we try to keep a small small test even though it's a small sample size. We want to see at least some indication that we should expand it to like another couple hundred messages. Because yeah. if it's just absolutely bombing, we we don't want to send a bad message out. But yeah. also the other thing we do, instead of just purely testing across, you know, 500,000, 2,000 people is we'll ask anyone who's responding in the 150 email test is, did you like this message? Mm -hmm. What resonated? What would have been done differently that you would have you would have you know potentially responded to better so we're again we're going back to asking because obviously they know what they would respond to yes. so without that feedback it, it would be a little bit hard and that's why we can do a smaller test is because we ask for the feedback yeah uh, that's something that i just recently shared with some clients and you know so often as businesses we try and assume what we think people would like and it's like don't assume ask them observe the conversations become curious and start to take note of some of the phrases and and the common things that they're expressing and then incorporate that into your language and it's interesting and it like your feedback you've gotten uh said it works people are actually communicating with me exactly because you're tapping into the conversation you're not interrupting with your own you know agenda but rather coming and that i think speaks beautifully into how you said you want to be more transparent you want to be more empathetic and when we use language and, and our ideal clients, or in your case, the candidates, can see that you're coming from the point of view of you want to be there and support them as best as possible. They are making a transition. That is when they're going to, um, to give you that feedback and, of course, be loyal. Let's talk about tearing down the old testing and implementing to find a more optimal path and solution. Sometimes it can be scary to tear down the old or even say, you know what, we've spent a lot of time and money invested in trying that didn't work, we need to push it aside. That can be so hard, can't it, for us as entrepreneurs? It's terrifying. It's like, well, this is working. Do I do I just let it go? And uh, I, I think the one thing about this that we've really enjoyed being in the recruitment space is going, we don't know how it's done at a big company. So we didn't work at a big company and start our own company and taken all the exact processes over. So every time we see something that doesn't look right, we'll, we'll rip it down. And yes. we're like, well, how should it be done? And just because it's done a certain way doesn't mean it should be done a certain way. So I think for us, we're always looking for optimal and areas of opportunity using our, our strengths, mm. right? So my engineering background allows us to 
do some stuff behind the scenes that helps the salespeople automate their process. That, that's something we got to take advantage of. Yeah. And, and just the perspective of not knowing, you know, you need to have somebody make 200 phone calls a day. Well, we're doing, we're doing it with email messages a different way because we, we don't harp on that. So we saw a different angle. So I, I, yeah, it's, 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 it's a little bit challenging, but I think as long as you're kind of looking at trying to see the underside, I think the opportunities are always there in any, any industry. Yeah. You know, something that I have always uh, done, and, and it sounds a little bit like you too, is number one, trust your gut. Number two, if everyone's doing that, do something different, especially and if it aligns with an intuition that you got or you trusted your gut, you know, trial it out. Um, and that's how you can be quite different. But there's something that I want to pick up on because often, again, mindset, you were saying, you know, we're a smaller company, but I think smaller um, niched companies have the ability to be more agile. You, you launched something, didn't work, change it. Whereas with a larger company, it's far bigger to be able to, to maneuver. So there's so many advantages, I, I think. However, Considering, as you said, you're, you're entering an industry that you may not have had a lot of decade of experience in going up against, you know, standards that had and expectations that have been going on for many, many years against some big boys. How did you keep focused to, you know, f and, and moving forward without letting all of that noise inhibit your ability to keep changing and, and progressing as you, you launched, you know, a lot of these new ideas? Yeah, so it's interesting. So you you'll read on Twitter, on on LinkedIn about how people want a different version of recruiting, and that's what they say. And then when you approach them, and and you're like, as a prospective client, well, there's a different way of doing it. It's like, oh no, 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 we like the way it's being done. It's like, are you sure? Like, are you reading what you what you're putting out there? Because you're telling me you don't like it. So I I think you have to find the right company that fits with the model that you're bringing to market. So we're we're not going to win every piece of business we're not going to lose every piece of business. We're going to win the people that that fit with the way we do business. And mm -hmm. I think that's the big thing that I've learned is may not be for every company. There's thousands of jobs out there and thousands of companies and, and the ones that we resonate with will be the ones we work with. Yes. And they'll be the ones that value our approach over the traditional way because they genuinely don't like it and they do want to see something different. Yeah, great lessons in that. And I'm just going to recap for those people who, who may not have heard it. I mean, be so clear to your values, your message and what you stand for. Don't let other people's opinions even allow you to water it down. It may take a little bit longer, but I think the the time that you invest in saying true to the model, true to the business vision and, and your values, you're going to attract business. And those people, I would imagine, have become loyal clients because they love who you are and what you stand for and it aligns with their corporate values. And as you start to build momentum, people, will off them. this is what the market often does. They're like this, they're like this, and then all of a sudden, all right, we need to talk. What are you doing differently? Have you found that to be true? Yeah, I, th I think, uh, again, uh, the recruitment industry is interesting because when you get your foot in the door, there's no commitment. They just signed a contingency agreement and you provide them people. Even with that, because uh, the type of candidate and the way we, we, we don't bring volume to the table. So yeah. we have to tell clients up front, we're not sending you 30 people. We're going to mm -hmm. send you three and they're going to be highly qualified. Yeah. And that's a little bit different approach because we're just not trying to, you know, fill a role randomly. But um, yeah, I, I think it's one of those just under, again, I think finding the right client for you in the beginning when you don't need 
massive volume to, to get your business running, I think that's, that's the advantage you have, right? Yes. So once the model's working, then you become, you know, if you're a billion dollar recruitment company, you're going to be afraid to change the model. What's well, not broken, don't fix it. Mm -hmm. But when it breaks, you're going to want to fix it then. And it's going to be a much messier process to change. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, the future of recruitment with all the technology that's going into it, things are invariably going to change. And the power of the internet is to squeeze the middle. Mm -hmm. So the middleman broker roles are eventually all going to fade because that's just the power of what it does really well. Yes. And I think being able to transform uh, the company to understand how to engage and, and attract is, is where the, the game's going to be won or lost. Yeah. 15 years from I mean, again, there's valuable and valuable gold in, in what you've just said too, in that you've recognized um, and, and often disruptors or people have seen a need in an industry and starting to make that change. Sometimes we have to wait for the market to catch up, but it's worth it. In particular, well, obviously you need to have some kind of income to support yourselves in the interim because when all of a sudden, as you say, it, the system or the model does break and all of these companies are thinking, hang on a sec, something's not working. Guess what? You've built the model, you've done all of the testing, you've got solid foundations. Uh, and then it's the right person, right company, right timing and, and uh, the market will shift. Is there one thing that you would do differently or quicker knowing what you know now when you think of the journey that you've just gone through? I, I would do things quicker. Yeah. So I think that one thing that I've realized is uh, as a business owner, you think about a lot of things before you implement them. Yes. And I think. Is that an engineering? Faster. Is that, do you think specifically for engineers that they really like to analyze before they, or it's just how you, you are? I, 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 I think, well, I, I think maybe a people do overthink before they commit to doing action just in general. I think for me, um, I think I was trying to be too perfect in, in building business models. And I realized that, you know, going to market faster even and yes. testing faster and testing more often early in our days might've even helped us more. Yes. Um, we're doing that in the last two years more than we did the last, but you know, the first five years. So I think that's the one thing I would have done differently, honestly, is just said, all right, we've done an analysis. Let's just run with it. But the early days, again, it's fragile. You know, you got a family to support. You're like, yeah. well, I don't want to take too many risks. Yeah. But I think at the, on the flip side, you're like, when you see the market and you see the advantage, sometimes you run flat out as hard as you can and see if you can catch what you need to. Yeah, valuable, valuable. So share, Amir, how can people find out more about uh, your company, Alavano? And I hope I've pronounced that correctly with my Aussie yeah, accent. Perfect. Great. So um, yeah, take uh, take the stage, share a little bit more about that. Of course, we've, we've spoken about how it came to be, but what's the best way for people to connect? Yeah, so elevano.com is, is our website, E-L-E-V-A-N-O. Um, and then Amir Borman pretty much, I think, on uh, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, my email is aborman at elevano. So pretty uh, pretty easy to get a hold of. And just on a side note, um, we have actually now just started to test on Instagram because we were curious how a recruitment company can source candidates through engagement versus reaching out. So we're, we're, and that's the, the one thing you asked me, did you, have you learned? And uh, about a month ago, we, did, we were like, this could be something interesting. And we just said, let's just do it. Yes. So 
lessons and learning are the two things. Yeah, that's my kind of thing. Uh, I love that too. It's like, okay, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Trial it out. I mean, we can analyze it till the cows come home and guess what? We may just surprise ourselves, but we won't know until we do that. Look, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Um, Of course, we'll have those contact details on the show notes, ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com forward slash AES276. Once again, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, brought to you by podcastingwithpurpose.com. Stand out, be heard, influence. Want to influence real change with your own podcast? Access our free podcast training, including our no-cost and low-cost tools and podcast production workflow checklist to get you started at www.podcastingwithpurpose.com forward slash mini training. That's podcastingwithpurpose.com forward slash mini training. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.